Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review, The Sopranos, Season 1, Episode 3, Metal Ends. And uh, this was originally aired on January 31st, 1999. And here we are back for another episode on The Sopranos on our rewatch, Episode 4. And with this episode, we're really the ground running. It's The Sopranos. It almost gives it this feeling that it's been going on forever. And, uh, and I'm here with somebody and both of us somebody that we know how to use an N64 controller, and that's not how you do it, Tony. Tony, I mean, come on. that That's the biggest thing. We had a couple of those moments. We had pagers in this episode, payphone, N64, and Mario Kart. Uh, my co-host, Big Daddy Matt, who is a, uh, who's a, a ranked player in the Wii version of Mario Kart. That's right. At one point when that actually mattered or meant something. <laughs> but an interesting episode. And I know from my, my co-host standpoint, last week was a high point because of a lack of AJ. If anything, this was the most AJ we've gotten so far in this yeah, episode. Certainly young AJ. It's probably as much as I can handle. So Yeah. And I, and I would say just as a general thing, that was probably the weak point of this episode. I think I liked everything else that happened in this episode. It's furthered the plot really well, and I like how things are escalating with Junior and Tony, but the the AJ stuff I could have taken or leave. Let's, that was awful. It was awful. It was pretty awful. It was. But we're going to get into all of that. Guys, if this is your first time checking us out, please, if you're watching this later, share your comments in the comment section below about what you thought of The Sopranos. If you're with us live, join the live chat or on the chat wing that you can find in the description box below to get to our other chat room if you're having trouble with the YouTube system. Also, you can email me at igotissuesman at gmail.com or you can tweet me at I Got Issues Man. You can also call in or text in at 781-990-8509. If we don't get the call while you're calling in, please leave a voicemail and we will play it on the air as soon as I see it. But we are going to get into it. Let's talk about this episode of The Surprise. I have the time clock set. We're going to talk about this episode for about an hour. So let's get into it. We'll talk about the Meadowlands. Bam, let's do this shit. Okay. So the episode opens up with something that becomes more mainstay of The Sopranos later, but it, it I remember the first time I watched this, I remember very clearly the first time I watched this, and this was one of those episodes of The Sopranos that I watched before I got into it. It was like, it was like I turned, oh, everyone's talking about The Sopranos, I'm going to turn this on, and I watched the beginning here, and I didn't know it was a dream se sequence, and no. I think for the first time people were watching this, it's really off-putting, but this becomes a big part of the series, right, Matt? Like, these dream sequences... Oh, yeah. And the episode be begins with Tony sitting in Melfi's office for a therapy session. And they sit in silence looking back and forth. And Tony's checking out her body. There's a real focus on him checking out her legs. And Tony finally breaks the silence. And he asks Melfi if uh, if she's going to say anything. And, and they go back and forth. And again, it seems like real life. And Tony's the one paying the bills. He looks out the window and we see Hesh walk by. But we don't see him walk by. He kind of floats by. It's it's really interesting. And he says, yeah, but now like in present day, with people are on those like now that we have segways and stuff, that even then you don't know yet. Well, I guess watching at this point, you don't know yet that it's a it's a dream sequence. Right. Exactly. It's really cool because again, it's one thing when we go back and watch it, and we watch the whole series where there's whole episodes that are, like the test stream and uh, the. The, the Maltesanti episode, the uh, the Mazzazella Maltesanti or whatever it's called, that's basically a Christopher dream while while he's in a coma. 
but this is the this is the first time we've really had this dream stuff and and it's really cool when it especially once he stands up and he goes into the other room and you see you see Syl there with a woman on top of him and AJ probably my favorite acting AJ ever does he has that yes. like really creepy creepy boy under the stairs look about him like and it's only for like a half a second, which is the best part of it. That is the best part of it. We only have to deal with AJ for a half a second. Some could argue, though, as we'll get to it later, Matt, this is the episode that broke AJ. AJ became the douchebag he becomes in the future because of Meadow and what she breaks in him in this episode. But we'll get to that a little bit later. Because some could say AJ is the type of stupid that if no one ever told him, he never would have known. Like... Whereas Meadow would investigate that. AJ, if no one told him that Tony was in the mafia, AJ, I don't think, would have investigated or really given a shit about it. No, probably not. And he has he is so clueless. Uh, I want to say the beginning of this, though. I have to get this over with because we're going to be doing this. I, if we do it at this current rate, we're going to be doing this for about four years at this point. <laughs> um, I do not find Lorraine Bracco attractive at all. I don't know. What is your feelings on that? I'm not getting into the attractiveness of a woman, but I, Tony is attracted to her, obviously. And like you said, it opens with that shot up mm. her leg, and it's supposed to be this okay. turn on, at least for Tony. At least that's what I thought it was. Where I think it works is I think she's attractive at the very beginning. The only time I've ever thought she was attractive is the very beginning of Goodfellas. And if you, and I guess at the very beginning of The Sopranos, I, I still see it. When I think it doesn't work is when we get later in the series and Tony gets into the I want you, I need to have you stuff. Yeah. And then it doesn't play for me because she, at that point, I just don't buy it. But Yeah, but that's like a power thing. Like she's a woman that's kind of in power over him. Like I, I've had that. We've all had that where there's some woman that it's just for whatever reason. She gets under his skin. If you didn't have your relationship with her that you know her in the way and that she's almost like in control in some demented way. You wouldn't have that fascination with her. I get that. I just, and have you trying to sell her as a sex symbol in this or not? I have no idea. I don't uh, think so. Right. I think from Tony's perspective, I think they're trying to sell that Tony is becoming sex obsessed with her and focusing on her legs and focusing on that. I, I don't think they're trying to sell her in that context. I don't think they're trying to sell any of the women on the show like that. Makes sans adriana i think i think she's supposed to come off as a very powerful very strong independent woman and tony finds that in the fact that she's italian too like it becomes okay here's a good example of it when you and you kind of hinted at this a second ago what some people when you meet them you think one thing about them but then when you get to know them or they get to know you you start to become way fucking into them and you just can't help but start fantasizing about them no matter what they look look like. And this is that kind of case. She knows yeah. about him. She's pushing. She's listening to him in a way that Carmela never would. And that gets very much enhanced later in the episode with what Carmela says. He he really can't help but think she's the closest thing to a warm female example that she he has. And some could say that's why eventually he sees her as Livia because Livia clouds everything. And Livia's paranoia is getting in there like, why are you talking to somebody else? Why, why is that happening? It did, oh, my God. I just, I'm doing that in Livia's voice, and that's awful. <laughs> to do that in my head. So when they come into this dream sequence, uh, we see Silvio having sex. Polly and Pussy are reading newspapers. And I also wrote here, just for to put to put a jostress in, in this, an asterisk, even in Tony's dream right here, Pussy is kind of played off like he doesn't trust him. 
Pussy has a very weird attitude in his dream, and that's going to play later with, I think, an ingrained distrust that Tony might already, on some level, know what he discovers later, that right. something's, something's wrong with Pussy. And and I th- and I want to believe that the show planted this early. There's a couple of other things with uh, Pussy and Fish in the scene uh, that I, I'll talk about that a bit later, though. So then we also go to see Dr. Melfi, and Dr. Melfi ends up being Livia. But then Tony turns around and sees uh, Richie Aprio, Richie Aprio, Jackie Aprio Sr., laying down in the hospital bed smoking a cigarette. And he tells him, I sm- he smells the rain coming. Yeah, the thunderstorms, he mentions. The thunderstorms. Can you smell it? And then Tony asks Milfi, what, what are you doing to me? What are you doing to me? And then he turns around and suddenly it's the face of Livia and he falls backwards in a panic attack in the dream and he wakes up. Crazy seg- crazy part and something that we could sit here for the whole hour and, and, and look into this dream and, and, now, and, use, and, and oh, analyze this dream. I was saying I was, got stuck between analysis and analyze. I, analyze the dream and really look into what it all means, what his opinions of Polly, what his opinions of everybody in that dream are. But really, it's she's starting to push on some important issues, and he's feeling pressed in by all kinds of things, especially his mother is the biggest of the problems, how that all keeps interfering with him getting better. What was with Syl in the sex, though? I did, I, did, I That was like so – I mean, it's very much a dream sequence that people have. You have weird things like the that. The dreams – the Sill sex thing, I think because Tony associates Sill with positive things and yeah. looks to and sees Sill in that context. And he it's like Herman's head or some shit when you have different people representing things inside your mind. Sill represents the part of Tony that's the joy. And Pussy re- represents the part that's looking at things really negatively or or critically. And, and Polly's just like, fuck this, fuck that, fuck this, fuck that. And uh, and Richie is on that deeper level. Jackie, ja- I'm sorry, I did it again. Thank you, Matt. And Jackie on that deeper level is the mysticism or is the magic. He looks up to Jackie, and Olivia is the real shrink, the person that takes his balls and fucking with his mind, because Milfy isn't fucking with his mind and blah 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 blah. Okay, so we hear the alarm ring. We come back in and we hear an alarm ringing in the background. It's Tony. It was only a dream. He's in a motel room with Arena. And uh, he's like, it's all right. It's all right. I love her. She's awesome, especially especially at the beginning, where yeah. she's just like, I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. And she starts basically cursing at him in Russian <laughs> and mumbles. And then here we go. It's Wario time. Tony is playing. Uh, AJ is playing the N64. Tony Rot. Comes back and he's playing Mario Kart in his living room. Tony comes in and says that AJ has school tomorrow. And AJ is just like, oh, I got a high score in my blah, blah, blah. And he challenges them to a race. And then they both play the game of Mario Kart. And ultimately, Tony gets his ass kicked at first. And also, AJ <laughs> AJ ends up uh, losing the second time because Tony blocks his face and all that right. sort of stuff. But the important thing to talk about in this scene, Matt, as we hinted at the beginning, what the fuck was going on with the use of the N64 controller? It was awful. awful. At first, I was like... I- I had totally forgotten that they were playing on a 64. I was trying to place the time period in my mind when it would have happened. Like, it's got to be a 64. It can't be a um, – what was the one after that? What was after the – GameCube. The GameCube. I was, it can't be that. And then I saw the controls, and I got all excited. And I almost want to go into the other room and get the N64 controller to do a show and tell here. Yeah. <laughs> But that's for another day. That's for another day. Yeah, we'll bring that next week. I'll, I'll make sure I I'll make sure I write that in my notes. 
to bring the N64. What high score was he going for? I don't. Oh, I guess there was like the ghost. I don't even remember what the hell that game was all about. Like how you play one player in that because we always played with four people. Yeah, I mean, there's a Grand Prix mode that you can play, and but it's it would be harder for the another player to just jump in really quickly. And also another thing that didn't quite make sense the way AJ resetted the game and how quickly it came to the yeah, main screen. Yeah, what the screen. hell was that all about? He, he doesn't work. Like yeah, that. he goes up. He's like reset. Let's start another game. I understand that they didn't want to edit in him fucking with the Nintendo and just waiting loading loading time. Loading time. But it, it was kind of unbelievable in that and situation. For people here that don't know this, and a few times a year, me, Phil, and a few other friends, Joe, and a couple other guys get together and actually play Nintendo 64. Yeah, so we bust out the old Nintendo. That's the only reason we're getting into it this much. I yeah. know it's like, why the hell do these two guys care about that? Yeah, we put, in Mario Kart's one of the games we play that, and yeah. Smash Brothers, we, we bust out the old N64. So we're very, this was very personal for me, and I remember at the time, too, this is something, one of those little things that gets talked about a lot through history, and you've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of the notes and a lot of the other people's analysis that I was reading about this episode. It's just funny how many people reference this and reference the N64 controller and how Tony was, he's like holding it. Like if this is the N64 controller and you're supposed to hold it like this or do whatever, he's like holding it with one hand and like oh, yeah. going like this. He's, he's like, this thing doesn't stare correctly. You're not playing the Wii. He's playing it like the Wii controller. He's like, and then he's like button mashing afterwards, you know, just yeah. putting his hands on it. It's, oh, it's you button mash in Mario Kart. Okay. So here we, after this scene, we go to the Christopher and Adrian. And, and at the beginning when I said, we're full-fledged Sopranos now, there's a couple of other firsts. We'll get to a couple other firsts here and there as things happen. But really, the relationships are all set up here. Adriana's Adriana. This is her coming out party episode where she's truly herself. She's not in a big chunk of it, but this is her character. She's oh, all the way through. It's her character. She talks exactly like her. She acts exactly like her. Her relationship with Meadow and everyone else is exactly the way that it should be. And she's hot as anything when this starts. Yeah. She, this is Adriana, like right getting, right getting into the zone of her character and, and understanding yeah. who it is and, and really having fun. You can just, tell it's just a funny day christopher and adriana leave the hospital christopher has a neck brace on and a lot of cuts and bruises from what happened in the last episode he's uh he's just looking really scared and he's wondering where adriana parked and she's like don't worry no one followed me don't worry and he's like he's like you you wouldn't be smart enough if you wouldn't know if someone did and she's like wait stop being paranoid no one's following you and then she starts to mock him and point out places where Tony could be hiding. Is that Tony Soprano behind the bush? Is he going to pop out and shoot you? Is Tony Soprano over there? And, she's and just for people that may have not seen the episode, at this point here, Tony doesn't know who's after him. He doesn't know if it's – he thinks that Tony wants to kill him because he sold crystal meth to – to his to meadow. To meadow. He has no idea who it is that did this to him. He's actually assumes it's Tony. That's who he thinks it is. He has no idea that this was Junior and Mikey that did this to him. Exactly. At this point, at this point, and he even says that. He goes, I don't know, I don't know who did this. I don't even know if it's Tony that's after me. And yeah. Adriana says, You sold you gave his daughter Crystal. What do you think? And he's like, I'm not even sure if she knows that. Which this connects. We talked about this last week too. This connects to next week's episode, College, where we see a where we see uh Meadow and Tony go away and they this can it's like the completion of this story after this point I don't think we ever hear about this again and I don't and I and I want to say after next week and after this episode this is really the end of the whole Meadow and Christopher relationship at this at this point I think pretty soon yeah. after this 
uh, and I'm I'm forgetting, and I'm jumping ahead, but pretty sh- pretty soon after this, I think Christopher becomes made. It's it's coming up pretty soon, or at least be- gets more responsibility, and then and then he ends up getting shot. Like a whole bunch of shit happens, and then they sort of lose contact context. So so Christopher ends up just saying, "What the fuck?" Oh, I forgot to mention. I'm sorry. Adriana leads up to okay. <laughs> Okay, Christopher, I have a question. Um, forget it. You don't want to hear about it. And he's he's like, what? What? Tell me. Tell me. What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Tell me. She's like, no, 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 no. It's the classic couple argument. No, tell me. No, that's not worth it. Tell, no, tell me. You, you can tell me. You can say anything. Well, the doctor said you did number two in your pants. Was that true? <laughs> and Christopher just freaks the fuck out. He's like, what the fuck? Fuck this. He's like, I'm going. We just, can we just go to Brendan's and score some shit and, and be done with this? It's just a good, it's a good touch. It's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good little element, a good part of the story and that connects. I mean, we smell it. We hear it last week where the guys go, ooh, but the way she says it with, oh, number two, that's what I mean when she's in the zone of her character. She just, and, and, and I think besides Tony and, and, uh, and Carmela, they're the next most important couple in this as a yeah. couple where you know both of them at any point i don't think there's another couple that you know both sides as no. well as you know those two no and there's and i would say that okay it's hard not to say that carmel is not not number 2 in the show if you if you would rank the sopranos actors or characters in order of importance i would say tony's clearly number 1 it's hard to say carmel isn't number 2 and christopher's I think easily number three because he's he's I, I know we're we're not supposed to be making this that he's he's the Jesse Pinkman if there is that when you rewatch the mm-hmm. show where there's as much of this the show is always about Walter White but Jesse's such an integral part of the entire show where his backstory gets explored so much and Christopher is the only other person that you really no, get that not much. to mention for the most of the generation that's watching and being into the show Christopher is the guy you can most relate to as well right. Because Christopher is almost an, I mean, yeah, he's a fucking psychopath, but because, but ultimately, you know, he has aspirations of other things. You know, he wants to be a movie, he wants to be connected to the movies. He wants to be a movie star. He wants to make movies. He wants to be famous. And most of the people watching it were his age. They relate to him. Tony's an older guy. Tony's like watching some old mobster movie. And that's what the guy's like, where Christopher's a young kid that people can relate to. You know, he did drugs. He's doing drugs. He's doing stuff that, you know. He's into the music the kids are are into now. And oh my God, that awful band she's into later. Oh God, we'll get to that. That's awful. Sam, just joining after my class. What's up, you guys? Not much. Welcome to joining us. We're talking about the episode Meadowlands of The Sopranos, episode four of season one. And we're at the point where Christopher and Adriana are arriving at Brendan Filoni's house. They knock on the door, but Filoni doesn't answer. Christopher's like, oh, you're not locking your fucking door? And Adriana kind of, they let themselves in. Adriana just, I gotta go. I, I gotta go. Number two. That I forgot to mention that too. Adriana, the number two thing comes back with Adriana in a big way in a later season. We'll we'll hold on to that when we talk about that at the end of the year. I mean next next five years, as, as Matt said. So Adriana says she needs to use the restroom, and she heads straight to the bathroom. She walks in and she screams at uh, Brendan Filoni is dead in the bathtub. Uh, all the blood had drained out of him and kind of filled the bathtub. I remember at the time watching this for the first time being grossed out. I was like, oh, this is sick. And because partially because of that fly sound effect, did you notice that they had like yeah. a buzzing fly? Bzz, ugh, fucking gross. 
And I don't know how long it was. It was like two days or something. It was yeah, in there. I, something I have no like idea. that. I, maybe just 24 hours. I think maybe just yeah. from the night before because, yeah, because if Christopher was in the hospital from what happened to him, it was probably just 24 hours. And I also like a little touch as Christopher's walking in there. He shouts out to Brendan like, like, like bragging. It took three nurses to pull me down at the hospital. He's such a little shit. Okay. I know he's such a shit in the whole episode. I, I get so annoyed with him later on, but yeah. At what point do you really start to feel for Chris, or was Chris always someone who kind of annoyed you? No, that's the thing. In hindsight, I remember looking back and thinking how Christopher, how much I liked him throughout the show, is more than almost any of the other characters. But in this episode here, he's completely unlikable. Yeah. When he keeps it, he keeps bothering Tony at the end. I don't know how Tony didn't kick the shit out of him at the bang. Um, he's lucky the man he loved died today. Yeah, a man I love died today. <laughs> Rationalization to let Christopher get, a get away with his shit. Yeah. That's really what it is. Okay, so let's get back into it. So here we go. AJ round two. Ding. AJ round three, actually. We had the, the brief second in the dream sequence, too. Ding, ding, ding. And also in the scene, we have to make reference to there's both a payphone and a sighting and a pager. Now, Matt has experience in schools. Matt, do payphones in schools exist anymore? Oh, God, no. They don't exist. When I very first started teaching 15 years ago, there was one left, and that's been gone for been gone for 10 years now, yes. at least. So payphone in school, which used to be like, just again, not, to, we, we do this a lot, but to connect to like, to like when we were growing up, payphones in schools were a big deal. Like in using that payphone and knowing where it was and being able to go, it was very integral yeah. to the day's activities and a lot of other things that were important to what you were doing for the weekend. Some people need to maybe go get concert tickets and order it on the payphone without people seeing you, sneak out of classes to go use the phone, lots of shit like that going on. And also pager sightings. This was uh, this was in the era of the pager, and so AJ and another boy. Do you know I have to explain to my students how pagers work? They have no idea, and that's only like 10, 15 years ago. They have no idea how they even work or what it is, and they're like they're blown away by it. So. Sam says I never liked Brent. Me neither, really. And I think Christopher became a better character once Brendan was gone. And I know, oh, yeah, and that's the thing. Brendan was easy to kill. I, I don't think they ever planned on having him around. He was he was so you know, dispensable from the very beginning. I think we talked about this a lot in the first episode, but the parallels between, oh no, second episode, the parallels between Mikey and Brendan. And The Sopranos did does this a lot, and and also other shows and other movies have done this a lot. <laughs> For some reason, Days to Confuse came to mind. But in the sense that you always see different generations coming up, and I think Brendan was going to be the next generation's Mikey, just a total fucking douchebag for yeah. for no apparent reason. Like gets off at being a douchebag. Dumber, even he was like an idiot too. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't know how dumb Mikey really is. But it's, again, it's like the multiplicity thing. If you make a copy of a copy, it be eventually right. it becomes <laughs> becomes less less smart. You end up with Michael Keaton. Yeah. So. Thank you, Steve. Yep, exactly. So so people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Multiplicity? Shut the fuck up. Come on, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton's on a surge again. It's, an, it's a random Michael Keaton movie if you're curious. So, okay, so the payphone and the pager. AJ calls this boy's pager and realizes it's a prank page. Like, again, this was a big thing back then, I guess. People were making... But what's stupid is you can see the kid. You don't do it from the same room, but whatever. He's, he's like 20 feet away from the kid, and he pages him. Uh, and I got the idea originally that the kid was a lot older than him. Turns out they're the same age. No, look, the kid looks like he's two or three years older than that's him. That's because AJ has, especially in the early seasons, has that 
total baby face. Like, yeah. he, like he looks like he could be playing 12, which is probably part of the reason why I got cast. Sam says, who's Mikey? Mikey is Junior's main guy, the guy who actually ends up killing Brendan, the hijack, bijack. That dude and the dude that Tony in this episode staples and kicks the shit out of at some point later. So he looks across. Yeah, and the boy's name is Jeremy Piacosta or something. And AJ asks if he thinks it's funny or then there's the whole thing. You're fa- you're fatty. Your mummy sent me to camp and you ate all the donuts. Oh, my God. You cried on my mummy's shoulder. Yeah, he calls him a fat fart knocker. Yeah, I had just... that. I had that in my notes. And I also wrote my notes in big capital letters, Matt. I, got to, I wish I could show it to you. This shit is awful. Matt's going to be so angry. <laughs> I was. It was terrible. The acting's so bad. I mean, I know kids <laughs> that age can't act, period. But it's just so terrible. Uh, I also think that it was... <laughs> It was a time where where directors were easier on kids to to get good performances out of them. I think if The Sopranos was on now, you would have cast a better actor to play AJ. I think you would have spent more time and more care in those characters if you were going to spend this yeah. much time on them. And it's it's just I think AJ and Meadow were probably in some ways maybe less so Meadow, but AJ was probably an afterthought casting. They're just like, uh, maybe I have to look Again, into it. We're talking about, they cast him for the pilot. You can't change him after the pilot. So like he was in it when they were still trying to shop it for a movie. You yeah. Know? No, and, and I mean, you could change it, but it's harder to change the actual family in a, right. in a show like The Sopranos. I mean, you could change here and there certain characters, but, but, but someone just to do the HBO example, something like Game of Thrones was originally shot. The pilot of that show was shot with uh, a different Daenerys, uh, in a different uh, Catelyn Stark, and then they just reshot around those characters. They did the Back to the Future thing, where they kind of just shot on weird coverage angles to to just make it seem like. And people Back to the Future thing. There was another actor originally in Back to the Future named Eric Stoltz, and they end up right. keeping a lot of the reaction shots of the other actors and just shot that around Michael Michael J. Fox. And a lot of times was acting against nobody, and they were just filming it at weird angles to to make to make it work so they wouldn't waste money on the footage. So it, it can be done, but it would be tough with someone like AJ. And I and I think at first, I think he was getting a lot of po- I think at the time when I looked back at like reviews and stuff, a lot of people were saying he was charming and funny and they liked hearing him oh say, uh, where's my fucking Z? They don't know what it's like when he sets the leaves on fire with his car. <laughs> where's my that's my fucking ZD, no shit like that. Yeah. So then we go to the doctor's office and Tony's walking down the hall when he spots Sylvia. So hold on, that ends with, with, with AJ and this kid getting into kind oh, of yeah, a I fight, thought, like yeah, a mock fight. They take a couple swings at each other. A teacher breaks it up. And he says, like, well, I want to time out or something stupid like that. And that's the end of it. Phil, that's not going to actually happen. With Never. You. Right, right. Okay. Is this a – but again – Okay, two things about this, Matt. There's would it happen now, and then would it happen in 1999? In 1999, would that be the reaction? Kids would get no demerits. They would just get put Maybe at a certain school, yeah, sure. Now, no fucking way, right? No fucking way. Both kids suspended. Oh, no, no. It's 2015. You can't get suspended because the parents come in. But that's a whole different story. We're not getting (laughs) – please, if we start on that, I'm just going to (laughs) start. No, that's a a different podcast altogether. That will be a general topic, private podcast one day later. Okay, so then we go to the doctor's office with Tony's walking down the hall when he spots Silvio in the hallway leaving his dentist's office. And Silvio's such a friendly guy. I I would love to be – out of all these guys, if I could be an acquaintance of any of them, like someone where one of them frequented one of my shops, it would probably be Silvio. Silvio is just such a nice guy, it seems, to everyone around him, unless he has to be, unless he gets paid not to be. So it's just – it's Bobby Bacala is a nice guy, but he's not fun. Like who wants to hang out with Bobby Bacala? Exactly. He's a derp. Whereas right. Silvio's like, hey, 
what's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Polly will talk your ear off, and if you say the wrong thing, beat the shit out of yeah. you. Yeah. So, oh, come by the bang. No, no, come by sometime. Okay. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's a really nice guy. And uh, Sam wants to know, how does AJ not know that something's fishy after the events of the first uh, the first fight? You mean about about that note that this kid would want to not fight him because of Tony Soprano stuff? I think AJ is just so blissfully ignorant of everything. I think he's probably one of, through the entire series, one of the most ignorant people ever. And in the sense of, what's that old saying? A person with a, a small person with a little bit of knowledge or a lot of a lot of knowledge is very dangerous. AJ is someone that takes facts, and I, I look to that scene with him in Meadow later on, where he's trying to argue philosophy, and he's completely misquoting it and saying it all over the place. He's an idiot, and at least Tony may do shit like that, but Tony's not an idiot. Tony has street smarts. AJ never could have that. He's just not possible. He's Fredo. He's fucking Fredo, for for Godfather references. All right, but first of all, the, one of the biggest differences why he never have street smarts is Tony sheltered him completely. Carmella sheltered life. him. Well, Tony didn't want him into this either. Tony didn't want him to get into the family business at any point. But also, the thing with him not having any idea of it is when you grow up and you're a kid, because I've gone back and looked at like own things with my parents when I was a kid, particularly my father. You just assume what your parents are doing is normal. You have no idea that it's out of the realm. Your parents seem infallible when you're a little kid. They're pains in the asses, but you think that whatever they do is normal, okay? That's why kids grow up and end up becoming their parents at some point because they think that's just normal. He wouldn't have any idea what it's like to grow up in any other family. So if he assumes his family is just normal, he assumes that's how how it's supposed to be. He has no idea that that's what his dad does. I totally buy that. Matt, 100 students in men all the time that are like that. Matt, 100% I agree with you in the sense that even things that, you know – I was doing like football cards and shit like that that I was dealing with when my mother was doing like football cards and have me sell them to like the kids in school and shit like that. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with it until someone no. goes, someone goes, dude, you realize you're fucking doing gambling. And so, and I'm like, what? This, what, this is a game. Right. What the fuck are you talking about? Gambling? You know, it's like the BoJack Horseman. I'm like, what? No, it's. It, it's it's very true. Sometimes you don't realize you need other people to tell you what's going on is different than what because you only right. know you need you to know. grow up and see that. Oh, wait a minute. Other people aren't like this. That's why conditioning works. Yeah. So so basically this scene with Silvio, we see Silvio coming out of a dentist's office and Tony freaks out and he goes into some other dude's office and just kind of scrunches down. The guy's like, excuse me, excuse me. And Tony just ignores him and, and goes through. Then in this next, there's a lot of in this episode, two things, AJ scenes and Melfi and Tony scenes. We we this whole scene between between uh, him and Milfi, we'll, we'll just kind of zip through this. They basically just have a he's nervous about her. He gets into this whole thing because Sill's right there. He gets extra paranoid about people finding out that if he, if anyone finds out that he's talking to a therapist, it could be very bad for him and her. And he knows this. He hasn't transmitted to her. Uh, she thinks he's just being narcissistic. And he's just... She says, I thought we made some real progress on your narcissism, which is a great line. Yeah, it really is a great line. And and she's funny. She's getting more comfortable with him. It's important. And he also, he also just had that weird dream about her. So he thinks... So he's also nervous because not only is he running into him there, but... You know, he thinks, what are you doing to me? He's having these weird dreams where she's messing with his head and he has no idea what's going on. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Can't stay, but please let me know when the Star Trek show is coming on. Bye. See you soon, Farcloud. Thank you so much. And actually, very, very soon, there's going to be some Star Trek reviews coming up with uh, with another YouTuber. I'm going to be doing a review of In the Pale Moonlight, a Deep Space Nine episode coming up very soon. I just have to figure out the scheduling. So look out for that pretty soon as well. With uh, Enchantment of Eternity, if anyone is familiar with the dude from that channel. So here we go. Let's continue. So Tony starts asking her about her life. Who do you trust? And so on and so forth. And, you know, she's trying to be professional and she says, I plead the fifth, right? Isn't that what she says to him? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it, yeah. And he goes, how cute. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. And she's like, I didn't mean that. And he, she, she just keeps going. And, and also we get that Livia taught him, taught him, taught him, why is it important? Like taught him one important thing. It's, it's basically just a, it, we get better scenes with the two of them later. So I just kind of want to skip over this, All right. skip through that. Okay. So then we go to the school where Hunter and Meadow, we get a little bit of the continuation of the last episode with Hunter and Meadow standing outside waiting for a bus. And Adriana approaches them and is like, come on, come with me. Christopher needs you. And Meadow wonders what's going on, and she gets dragged into the car. And immediately when she gets dragged into the car, well, first, Hunter sticks her head in and is like, did, did you tell Brendan about me? <laughs> and Hunter, I actually found Hunter really charming at that moment. I was laughing. And and Christopher just lays into her. What happened? What did you do? What the fuck? And just starts shaking her and screaming at her. And in her defense, she fights him right back. She's not freaked out by it. She's just like, what the fuck? Are you stupid? You think I tell my dad that you sold me crystal meth? Right. And he would beat me. He would beat me up. I don't think that he'd beat, beat her up, but, but she, she wants to play that card. And then she pulls the whole, I hate being a soprano. I hate who I am. And Christopher says, don't ever hate who you are. That's blasphemy. Yeah, <laughs> wise words from Christopher Moltisante. <laughs> so, uh, so Christopher tells Meadow this is everything serious, and and uh, and and then she's all freaked out a little bit, but not total. She's just kind of upset, like, "What the fuck? What'd you do to me? You're my cousin, Chris." And then he goes, oh, "I'll I'll do what we did when we were younger. I'll uh, bring you to get a happy that meal." Was so awkward and, and weird, and especially with Adriana's reaction, she just turns to him and goes, "Where are we?" Right. Where are where the fuck are you? She said. It was such a weird scene because it ends with I'll buy you a happy meal. Like it's just bizarre. Yeah. Where, where the fuck are you? So then we go back to the Soprano residence and AJ just grazing like an idiot is just at his room trying to kill a fly with a baseball glove. Wearing a Marilyn Manson shirt. <laughs> yep. And Carmelo comes in with a ripped shirt and goes, AJ, this was in the trash can. Your grandmother got you this. And I love this this is you had to love this, Matt. AJ's classic response of Ah, that's a that's a what kind of shirt is it? I wrote it down here. That's a Westport. It's not even cool anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, so Carmel's like, "Fuck this," and she she presses and what happened, and he tells her about the fight, and he stays really kind of quiet about it. And then she goes, fine, I'll just call his mother. And then AJ stands up. He's like, no, 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 please don't call your mother. And I'll pay for the shirt. I'll replace the shirt. She's like, Carmelo wants the 40 bucks for the shirt. Right. But Carmelo is ultimately going to give him $40 just to get her car washed because she's going to pay for it anyways. She just wants to make him do it. And and he's like, he's like, I'll wash wash a car. And she goes, you never do it. He's like, I'll totally do it. He's going to do a shit ass job. And I want to say in a later episode, we see him actually washing the car. So he, she tells him it's going to be the $40, and he just looks – I think they're trying to tell us that AJ's pissed, but the actor doesn't really pull it off right there. He just kind of gives this like, eh, 
look, but he's supposed to be playing angry, I think. So then we get a really awesome scene with uh, Tony and Livia at the retirement home, retirement community. And Tony tells Livia that he brought her some macaroons. And at first she seems really excited, but then she's like, oh, I can't let him know that I'm happy and goes, eh, too sweet. And he's like, these are your favorites. You love these. And she wants- <laughs> so he's like, the activity director is organizing a trip to the city. And uh, you, do you want to go? And she's like, I don't want to. I don't like her. And I don't like the people here. And those people in the city, what does she say? She says, she goes, <laughs> they're throwing babies out the window. And he's like, you're always with the babies, babies out, out the, the window. window. Like, that's a regular thing she says about him. <laughs> they should have had a Eric Clapton song playing in the background. Oh, no, it's horrible. I'm sorry. Too soon? No, 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 no not games. soon. Not soon enough, <laughs> Matt. Not soon enough. So, so Olivia's just, and she also says, oh, yeah, grown men soiling themselves and that Giuliani yeah. <laughs> and babies out the windows. <laughs> always with the babies out you're the windows. You're always with the babies, the babies out the windows. <laughs> So Tony notes that Livia's always thinking this way. He says that he should try to interact with uh, some of the nice gents around here or something like that. And trying to get his mom laid. That's, that's yeah, it's pretty pretty yes. disgusting. And Livia asks why she even cares. Why he even cares? Out of sight, out of mind. Tony says he doesn't think like that. Livia says, "I w-, her classic Livia line. I wish God would take me now." Yeah. And the scene's shot great, too. They're both just sitting in this beautiful couch, this beautiful sofa underneath the painting. But it's just the way they're framed both in there is amazing. Yeah, Matt. I, you can't say that enough about Soprano episodes when they're good. Some could yeah. say that, I mean, they have a lot of throwaway shots sometimes. But then when you get a shot like this, like, they kept balance, they kept going out to that two shot of the two of them sitting on the bench together and then focusing in on each one of them. And it just looked really awesome. The, the seat that they were in, the big bench was really cool looking too. It was, yeah. it was just a really well set up scene. Good, very good point. So Livia tells Tony, I don't care. He goes, should I leave the macaroons? And Livia's like, I don't care. And Tony grabs the macaroons and leaves. So then outside we hear some- oh, no, she says to him, she goes, leave, she goes, put some out for the crazy people. And right. like points, and he pours some onto oh, the Oh, he table. like dumps. He does that like Tony yeah. dump. And he goes, dump. And and all, then he goes outside with the rest of them. And let's let's we'll go quick in here. We we meet Kevin McAllister's dad from Home Alone, who's taking a leak in the bushes of the of the home. I forget this guy's name. I think his name. I is do too. I have no idea what it is. Macazan or something like that. Macazan or so, so, it's something. Let's call him Mac for now, and I'll, we'll try to work in his name. Uh, he's I don't, he's almost like a like a caricature of what a person would really be like in real life. I realize I really don't like him this time around. It's like too fake like no one would really be that much of a weird degenerate i i believe this guy a lot more when he's playing the nice dad from home alone than in this character i i agree he takes me out of it a little bit because he's playing there not to get too down this silly road of like act when you're acting you don't play drunk you don't play a deadbeat you just are deadbeat it's like he's playing a deadbeat and and you just come on slick back your hair you're you're not this guy and, oh, Mr. Tough Guy. I mean, I thought I think it's a better scene that it would have been a better scene with like the guy that played Terminator 2, uh, T-1000 or or with the, the guy that plays death in the Bill and Ted's movies or the villain of uh, Home of Die Hard 2, whatever his name is. There's certain actors I could have seen play this part a little bit better, but whatever. Yeah, it's uh, it's so he, he basically it's a complaint. It, 
they have a go a whole back and forth, and Tony just treats this guy like dog shit. I noticed this, and this is something that uh, my cousin Craig and I used to talk about a lot with the series. How shitty Tony treats this guy for in some situations. We'll talk about it more when it becomes relevant to the plot later on. But Tony has a couple of potential situations where he could have shown this guy a little bit of kindness, and this guy wouldn't have ended up going splat on the ground somewhere. The Tony helped this guy, helped this guy along his path to suicide. If I would, I would say Tony never was friendly to this guy, even when this guy helps Tony out. I mean, I know he's kind of a shit heel, but eh, I don't know. I think this guy's been driven. I think we're supposed to believe that this character has been driven to this because everyone treats him like shit. But whatever. So Tony pays him some money to spy on Melfi and gets in. Right. And I think he, so what's the deal with their relationship? He owes him money for gambling or something. Right. This I think like, the degenerate gambler, a degenerate period. Yeah. He's a degenerate gambler. The vibe I get, he's a degenerate gambler, gambler that ran up a big tab on Tony and Tony's doing the bust out strategy that he works at one of the mainstays of his business. When someone owes the money, they're indebted to them. And instead of killing them, cause there's no profit You're in an that. You're indebted servant. Instead. Right. Exactly. You have to basically do everything that he say on the threat of violence. And this guy, if we didn't mention, he's a lieutenant in the, he's a detective slash lieutenant in the police department. Exactly. He's uh, probably one of Tony's on the way up. Tony probably, again, we don't know this. We're making our own backstory, but I get the vibe that maybe Tony had had in with him early on and he's probably when he was a beat cop or something like exactly that. and he's probably one of the big reasons why Tony Tony's main informant on the way up to become a powerful captain yeah and, and he doesn't wear he doesn't wear blues anymore he's in a shirt and tie a very dirty soiled one but you know that's what he does he's a, he's higher up in the police department exactly but so, not too high he still claims oh, I'll only make forty thousand dollars a year you know so our next scene after that, we get uh, to, we get the. And he asked, did you say he he told he asked him to go spy on Melfi? Did you say that? I don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. Remember. He asked, he pays him to go spy on Melfi and figure out yeah. who she knows, who she talks to. So then we get the scene at the hospital where basically. Uh, Christopher runs in. He talks about getting beat up and freaks out. We need to fucking murder these people. Tony was Tony's. Uh, he doesn't go completely crazy here. He just goes to uh, Christopher. Uh, excuse me. Brendan was killed in his bathtub, and he thinks Junior or and Tony thinks Junior had something to do with it. This is all, t Silvio Polly and Pussy are also here too, and and they're. They don't get a lot of time in this episode except for being background comments. They're almost like the Greek chorus of comedy. And yeah, very, very little. I was disappointed. but Funny interaction of Pussy and Polly about the Godfather thing, about yeah. he got shot in the eye, Mo Green special through the eye. Was, what? What do you mean Mo Green special? Oh, Mo Green special because Mo got shot in the eye because his, uh, his, his, his something was too big for his mind or some shit. I forget exactly what he says. His eyes were too big for something. Yeah, so he got shot in the eye with a small caliber bullet. So ultimately, Christopher wants to go find uh, Mikey Palmisi and go pay him back. And Tony, the, the gist of this scene is that Christopher is going crazy and Tony's like, Junior is behind this. I know it, but you can't do anything because Mikey's a made man. And because yeah. he's a made man, only another made man can t can touch him. Otherwise, you're straight dead. If I go Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. So, yeah. So that's basically the thing. I mean, if if you need to learn about it more, watch uh, Goodfellas. It explains it really well. And, to, and Jackie's sitting there dying. Jackie's mumbling weird stuff about what does he say? Is it he's at the, the World uh, Trade Center? He's at the World Trade Center. He's mumbling. He's on his deathbed. It's like his final words. And Christopher, for the first of two different times in this uh, 
in this episode is in there screaming about all sorts of nonsense. He has a gun with him. He's going to go take care of him. And then finally he's causing such a scene that Tony takes him out in the hallway and Christopher in this, I was, I forgot that Christopher this early on still talked to Tony this way. He said, your uncle is pissing on your head. What do you expect me to do? Like says stuff like that to him, which no one else would dare say. To no, Tony God, before. not even at this point. And Christopher, I want to say he talks shit to Tony like this up until the Jackie Jr. situation. I think Jack, yeah. I think, which is in season three. So we get another like season and a half of Christopher being a little turd to him. And then the back half of the series is Christopher is nicer to him and pays him respect, but Tony's a turd to Christopher. There's like a brief one or two episodes where they're friends. <laughs> and like, that's it. And other than that, like they're both pissing on each other. And you said, you were talking about Walt and Jesse. Some could argue Walt and Jesse have a very similar relationship where there's yeah. very few times in those series where they're both except for towards the end when they start to come up with their plans they have to go on the same side but for the and most i also think that a few times walt needed jesse i don't think tony ever needed christopher no no Walter not. at certain points was like all right i gotta go make up with jesse i don't have any other i think maybe in one or two occasions that we'll point out as time goes on he might have yeah. maybe needed him so so Polly goes, I'll drive over to mikey's and handle the situation because Polly's a made man he'll he's like i'll do it and tony's like no no, I got to do this. And you stay here, and if he moves, you break his other head. You break his other head. Yep. Um, oh, t Sam says, really? I would have thought that Tony would have smacked some sense, excuse me, into Christopher earlier than that. I think he might a couple times where he, and I think even in this episode, he holds him up against a wall at some point. But I think during the Jackie Jr. situation, Christopher really gets in his face. And I want to say Tony like beats the, not beats him up, but like really is like, shut up. I don't want to hear your shit ever again. They have a sort of, he finally puts the hammer down of, of like, fuck you, Christopher. And I agree. I would not have been able to deal with this as long as I, I could. I mean, I guess in a sense, it connects to what Livia says in the last episode that Christopher is kind of like a son to Tony. So he has a little bit, he's his mafia son. So he has a little bit of a a way bigger of a leash when it comes to dealing with someone's shit, dealing with Christopher's shit compared to other people's shit. Sam says, this is my first go around The Sopranos, so I'm probably missing something. No, you're not. You're missing. The only thing you're missing is the backstory that you get later with the fact that basically Christopher lost his dad at a really young age and his basic father figure was Tony. Tony was the person that was always there, always looking up to him, always being nice to him when Tony's friends weren't around. Then when Tony's friends were around, they picked on Christopher a lot. And so Christopher ended up being like, fuck this guy. It's like when you're in elementary school and you're friends with people, then you go to junior high school or middle school and suddenly there's cool kids or whatever and your friends that were your friends don't talk to you anymore and Christopher felt that way about Tony so he always felt kind of jaded that his big brother his big dad his pseudo father figure would always break his balls in public and so he kind of got a more of an attitude with Tony I think that's I mean and Chris and also Tony let him get away with it he didn't nip it in the bud I don't you also see how different that this is like this is Tony's son in you know this family in the mafia family where AJ 
AJ never becomes part of this, and Tony keeps us as far away from his. Like in this episode, we find out as he possibly can. He possibly never can. wants us far. Never so. wants it. So, and Sam says, "I don't know what the Jackie Jr. situation is." Good, because I won't spoil it. <laughs> I won't spoil. We're, it. We're gonna spoil so much, though. Don't listen to this if you haven't <laughs> seen it. It's fine. <laughs> I know. I mean, we'll we'll try it. We'll try to keep a couple of things, a couple of things under wraps. But but yes, we we apologize. This is full spoilers territory so okay so tony goes out to mikey's car and he beats the shit out of him. or before he goes down there he grabs a staple gun and then he goes down there and he beats the shit out of him punches mikey repeatedly until uh and kind of cold cocks him too both him and christopher use a similar tactic in this episode where they avoid a fair fight even though they probably win the fight anyway and he just he, he like cold cocks mikey while he's coming out of the car and and then use the staple gun to <laughs> the staple is oh your suit's all messed up and starts stapling the gun like stapling the suit right into mikey it was amazing yeah and stapling the ticket onto him it's overdue and you could just see uh tony finding so much enjoyment out of the moment so then tony immediately goes right over to junior and this is a very tense scene especially the first time you watch it watching it later after it's so tense it, like I, he walks in i'm like oh my god oh my god what's gonna happen and i already i've already seen the show it's fine. I like Phil from Game of Thrones, but I know the rules of spoiler territory from old episodes. Okay, Sam, we just don't want to ruin any of your experience watching the series if you're enjoying it. So, but yes, it's a lot of tension. And Junior is in his territory. He's eating. Dumpy uh, uh, little, like, coffee shop he hangs out in yep. or whatever it is, a diner. Did you hear the story about the Chinese godfather who made an offer yeah. you couldn't understand is Junior's joke. Tony confronts Junior and asks him, and there's this one guy standing in the back, this one like bouncer dude that's just like looking at Tony the whole time like he wants some and waiting to kick a sh- kick to have us poke at Tony. So Junior tells Tony that he, you know, you could have said hello. And Tony says, the only reason I'm right here is because he loves and respects him. And Junior's like, that's bullshit. You're not paying me respect. You're fucking put your mother in a nursing home, blah, blah, blah. I know. I was shocked he called them out for that right there. That was crazy. I'm shocked Tony didn't react like harsh. And Tony reacts really calm in this movie. He's like, okay, listen, Junior. Because he knows he's in a bad situation. He knows he's not armed. He's not anything. And... Tony. He knows Jackie's about to die, and that, like he knows this is coming. Exactly. Right. And t- Tony also, I forgot to mention, makes a point to tell Junior he's not armed. He's like, I'm, I'm not armed. I don't have anything on me here. I came, I didn't come in here heavy. And, and it's just interesting how Junior just berates him, uses this opportunity to just fuck with him from beginning to end. I'm surprised he didn't pull out. Uh, You're not a varsity athlete here. It was just like it was like full on Junior here, and Junior just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we killed Filoni. He just admits it freely. Yep, we did that. And Christopher, we gave him a high colonic and made him shit himself. But now he works for me. And Tony's like, dude, are you serious? Are you really? Can't we just talk anymore? And he goes, I stick out my hand to you in peace. And this is what you do. You you knock it away. And Tony's like, what the shit is going on here? He just doesn't understand the situation. He's like, this is a load of shit. What is going on? I don't don't blame Junior for any of this. Them repeatedly, them going back and getting the truck a second time when they knew it was Junior's is out of control. I am... I don't blame Junior for finally reacting. Oh, no, not at all. In In a weird way, in a... In a weird way, even though he's an asshole, you, you may be right, Walter, but you're an asshole. Mikey is correct about the message that Junior needs to put send here, ultimately yeah. on some level. He needs to – he can't let Christopher – Christopher and Mikey – Christopher and Mikey. Christopher and Brendan are being turds, ultimately. Oh, th- welcome, Richie. Yep, Christopher was the first cousin once removed from Carmela Soprano. That's why – we get into that later with – 
with uh, I forget what episode it is, but we'll talk about that later. Isn't with, Adriana somehow related to? She, no, she's uh, she's related to Richie, okay. or Richie and Jackie. She's uh, right. she's a niece. She must be like their sister's daughter or something, some shit like that. So so basically, uh, Tony runs out of there and 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 Junior yells at him, "You come in next time heavier. You don't come at all." So later that night, we see uh, the shitty fucking police guy, uh, Kevin McAllister's from Kevin Home McAllister. Alone. Kevin McAllister from Home Alone's dad, try, it was, who forever now will be called Kevin McAllister for ease of saying it. So Home Alone here is driving the police car with his partner, and he complains about the pay scale. Matt talked about this earlier. He's, he's just you get to know this guy and how much big of a douchebag he is. His partner's like, "You stink of vodka," and like, "Why are we following these people?" And in the car, we see, then we cut over to the car and we see Milfi and her date flirting back and forth, talking about how she wants someone to kind of rough her up, but, uh, but sensitive enough. Just, it's whatever. It's just kind of bullshit back and forth conversation. And, and he makes up the bullshit excuse that he's following the car because it was a triple homicide committed somewhere in the city that night with the same car as that. And the, the, the his partner, who's younger than him and is obviously his, McAllister is obviously his superior. Have you ever seen Training Day, Matt? No, it's a but I kind of get it. It's that same sort of thing where he has to listen to a superior who's a raging, who's psychotic. Yeah, he's a raging psychotic. Yeah, and yeah. it's so ultimately in this scene, he he pulls them over for bullshit, gets the guy out of the car and berates him in front of her, beats the shit out of the dude because he's drunk and he's pissed off the guy's pulling lawyer stuff and being like, listen, dude, you're not allowed to be doing this illegal search and seizure. He's like pulling all that shit and the guy's like, oh, it's a lot of legal ease. It's just very cartoony. And he like punches him, knocks him out. And then Milfi gets out of the car it's like you can't do this fuck you i'm gonna and she what's he say to her uh why are you why are you eating this when you have prime rib at home or yeah yeah it's like why are you out here with with hamburger or something like that like chopped something when you have prime B, rib yeah. at home. when you got prime rib at home and fuck you i'm gonna report you i'm gonna call my lawyer go fuck yourself so okay, so the next day we get Tony debriefing or de- being debriefed by Kevin. Tony McCoy. had actually told him, "Don't do anything like crazy like that." He thought, well, again, Tony couldn't tell McAllister why he wanted to do it. He thought that Tony probably wanted to. Right. He thought he again. He was trying to gain favor with Tony by doing this, and but, he thought that Tony probably wanted to date this girl or be with her or something like that, which is why he was saying that comment yeah. about the prime rib and kick the shit out of this guy. exactly he got a misinterpretation and he he again was was wasn't doing this to be a dick for dick's sake he was doing this because he thought oh this is tony's gumar oh he yeah. wouldn't want some other dude fucking going out on a date with her i'm gonna beat the shit out of him and tony's gonna be proud of me for doing this so the next day he kind of tells tony that she's dating some idiot that does and he even basically tells tony he's like yeah she's dating this guy he has no balls like he doesn't directly say it but he hints at it in that moment that that yeah she likes tuna subs and diet coke and the big thing to come out of this is we hear about a character that we meet later we find out the name of her therapist who's who ends up being Elliot. One, yeah one of my favorite characters. you or it leads to one of my favorite soprano lines ever on the series i have a few of them junior falling in the soprano when he goes sister's cunt yeah. and uh when milfy and him are in an argument for whatever reason that i won't spoil that she she yell, she yells at him, Elliot, you smug cocksucker, Elliot. And that's a line that, again, Craig, my cousin Craig and I, we say back to it, forth to each other a lot. We, you smug cocksucker, fuck you. No, fuck you, Elliot, you smug cocksucker, fuck you. 
And Sam says, yeah, this whole scene was uh, just Robocop cartoon on overload. overload. Yeah, it was very cartoon-like. And that, and I think it's cartoon-like because, because Kevin McAllister from Home Alone's dad isn't believable to me because I think because I associate him with Home Alone in other type movies and that he's like in Disney movies. He's like one of those kind of guys that pops yeah. up. So seeing him play a even an angry drunk cop, I just don't completely buy. It's just tough for me. Get Christopher Maloney to do this part, or some—I mean, I don't know—somebody else that in the HBO window. And for the most part, a lot of people wanted to be part of this show. It's like you know, obviously we have the unfortunateness of of Tony Blundetto later on, which was a terrible casting job. But with the exception of three or four different characters, they do a good job of getting people in the roles that you believe. This was one of the worst. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree. I agree a hundred, hundred percent, Matt. Really. I mean, Joey Pants is a well-known actor. Uh, maybe not so much before that, but people knew him. But he owns Ralphie to no end. You know what I mean? Even though people know him from other things. Exactly. You know, from being Cipher, for being in Memento, or whatever else he was in. So later that night, Tony uh, is sitting down with with uh, all the captains of his crew, and they're basically talking about what to do when Jackie dies, and about what to do about the junior situation. We get to learn a little bit of information here about all the different captains. What's the, what's the big, like the fat kind of stocky guy's name? Uh, there's Larry boy, which we know who Larry is, is the guy that smokes the cigars. There's Jimmy Alto, Alti, Larry, I think is his name. I'm mispronouncing his last name. I think he's Jimmy and Ray is the older dude. Right. Okay. So they all have a laugh about Tony stapling the suit to Mikey, talking about how much of a douchebag Mikey is, talking about how him and Junior might end up having to go to war, and there hasn't been a war since the Colombo incident. They also talk about how Tony's trying to... Tony's already instinctively trying to do what he does with Junior later in the episode with... with, uh, with who's he trying to push? Uh, with With what's his name? With... With, I'm sorry, I'm blank. Ray, with Ray. He's trying to push her. He's like, Ray, you're the guy that should take charge. And and Ray's like, I have a I have a son that's sick and yada, yada, yada. Ray, who's someone I want to talk about, we'll talk about a lot through the series, especially towards the end of the series that would have played into later, later stuff. But a, an interesting character. And these captains are very interesting in the sense that they never really play too big of a role in the entire series. But there's several moments where we go back to these guys. And I don't want to spoil certain events. But they never really play as much as you would think they would, and I and this is really one of the most we actually hear from them. Yeah, because Tony sits around talking to him like he would be talking to Sill and Puss and his other guys. You know, they're just around shooting shit, talking shop, like whatever it is that they'd be doing in there. And so you always think they're going to be bigger later on. And they never, never are. Exactly. So ultimately, in this discussion, it, they they come to the terms with Tony. It's inevitable. You you have to be the boss. You're smarter, you're younger, you're, you have all the skills in place. You're the one. You and Junior are going to have to fight this out. Okay, so here we go. Let's get this. And they do say, they do say though, that Tony, the one concern they have is that Junior has New York behind him. Yes, yes. And they say Junior's living in a different age, that uncle of yours. Living in a different age, that, ah, no, that's not the alarm. I fucked with I know. I fucked with the alarm a little bit. So at the school, we see AJ with the candy bar out of the vending machine. Of course, AJ's getting a candy bar out of the vending machine. Oh, also, since we talked about this before, Matt, vending machines in schools, does, does that exist nowadays in 2015? Yeah, not with candy. Not, not since Michelle Obama made sure there's no more candy in the schools <laughs> like that. They sell Rice Krispie treats at lunch. They are whole wheat Rice Krispie treats. No more sodas either, right? 
No, 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 no. There is there is like a, a Gatorade. It's not even Gatorade though. It's like sugar-free Gatorade or water you can what? buy in lunchrooms. Oh, that's just bad tasting I know. Stuff. It's not healthy either, but it's part of the low-calorie Michelle Obama special. The food's actually gotten a little bit better, but it's, yeah. Okay. No one wants a whole wheat Pop-Tart, but that's what they say. Okay, so let's get into this scene, which there's not too much important to say here, but AJ gets a candy bar out of a vending machine. Him and Jeremy Panagosta, they kind of talk back and forth about the bullshit about the fight. And the important thing, I think, to remember out of this, just to back up Matt's point of how much of an evil douchebag AJ is, what do we find out mo that's important in this scene? That AJ likes to blow up flocks, flogs, frogs with M80s. That's yep. That's big. And they laugh about it. Oh, remember when we blew up those frogs with Emmy? <laughs> yeah, it's great. And then they fight like two seconds later. It's a really weird, excuse me, weirdly acted scene. And yeah, like they're good. First, they're reminiscing and they're good friends. And then it turns into him punching AJ in the face and like, you know, giving him a bloody nose. It's crazy. Sam says there's some vending machines in my law school, but I don't think elementary schools have that stuff anymore. Yeah, they, they couldn't take that stuff out of colleges. I, I The only way I got through, uh, is I, and I'm sure it's like a thousand billion trillion times. Oh, my God, you're in law school. That's fucking crazy. I couldn't imagine taking that bar exam. I know someone that took it. That's like that's. Uh, Holy shit. I took the real, Matt, both Matt and I both took the real estate exam, which is like one tenth of the bar exam. And that was hard enough. I was like, holy shit. Fuck this yeah. test. You know, I, Matt probably passed the first time, but it took me a couple of shots. I did pass the first time, partially because like I, this is like 15 to 20 percent of it's just math questions. So yeah. Yeah. See, and that, that was difficult for me. So and I think the bar exam, like one one hundredth of the bar exam is like the real estate real estate exam. Yeah. Like they have it's part of it, too. Anyways. So at the school, AJ gets a candy bar and gets his ass kicked. So they get into a fight that ends up getting broken up by a bunch of again and and this all buzz who this was the only thing that was very school like which was seemed rang true to me the fight got brought up and he's like i won no you didn't win it was a tie it was a tie let's settle this after school because the after school thing both matt and i have you know like meet you outside after school at the flagpole i mean oh down at the bus stop in middle school yeah it, it ha that stuff was very true and that stuff absolutely happened it was like something would something would flare up in school and you'd be like okay we can't do this here meet after school and then you'd show up there and there'd be a gang of kids mm -hmm. in a circle getting ready to watch you fight and, and everyone had the spots down at muskrat down and at it was all that stupid bullshit where the fight didn't happen for the first 15 minutes till it finally happened yeah people just nuts. walked and it was like are you guys gonna fight are you guys gonna fight it, it's just so true to, true to life and they're gonna fight in the pit after school tomorrow so this is a really funny scene that we get into at the gardening shop tony is trying to buy something to save his garden from bugs from scarface from half baked he's like yeah i was gonna it's the kid from half baked it's amazing yeah it's scarface fuck you. from weeds which i never watched right fuck my you wife. fuck you fuck you yeah. fuck you you're cool you're cool fuck you <laughs> so he tries to buy ddt he's like going back give me the ddt yeah. <laughs> and then he spots and this is tony to a fucking t doesn't listen to we talked about this last week doesn't listen to one word this guy says and just knows what he wants to say oh i recognize you you have a you have a vowel at the end of your name hey let's get the boys together and this guy who knows what happened with the fight is just like Hey, Tony, uh, our kids aren't friends anymore. And Tony's like holding an axe too. And the guy's like, yeah, and the guy looks at it and sees the axe. It's just a funny, it's kind of a funny setup. I, I, I definitely like it. And it's just, uh, it's, it's just a cool little balance of showing how Tony doesn't know her last name or anything like that. Tony goes, 
Her first name, he says. So about his wife, right? Isn't that who he's talking yeah, about? Yeah, something. Yeah, he calls her. He calls, I have Carmela call so and so. We'll get the boys. We'll cook up some hot dogs. He's like, actually, her name is uh, name is Mary. Oh, I don't know if I can. Well, I don't give a shit what her name is. Let's cook up some dogs. Uh, oh well, thank you so much, Kaylana. In 1995 or so, the 2D, 3D graphics. I played a similar, but not as many choices. Blade Runner CD game. It's long lost and gone. Yeah, it's just, it was interesting going back and seeing like the N64 in this episode. That that's just one of the things I remember it's one of the things i remember because i was so into the n64 at the time seeing it on the sopranos even though tony was holding it where it was very exciting i was like oh shit they're playing fucking mario kart in the sopranos and considering the historical television significance of the sopranos and it's something that people will always go back to the fact that the nintendo 64 exists in it is kind of and not just that mario kart itself like they're playing mario kart with war luigi versus luigi not war luigi wario versus wario versus luigi you actually see them on screen it's just kind of cool that it's actually mario kart the other cool part of it was when they first started playing like i said i had no idea what system it was because that's the thing about mario kart is it's it's on so many systems yeah for and it kind of looks the same going back to the 64 it actually goes back to the super nintendo Right, but it looks the same at the 64. Yeah, the 64 is it's just improved from the 64. Yeah. And and I mean it looks almost similar with the uh with the with the with the Super Nintendo version. It's not quite as, you know, graphically, but it's right. it's still basically feels almost the same. So uh so George asks uh so yeah, we we get this interaction between the two guys. So Tony brings the groceries back home, and Tony's starting to breathe heavy. He ends up having a, another panic attack, and this is our Carmela and him situation, where Carmela basically tells him she knows that she knows that. First of all, Tony mentions a couple of times that his therapist's a guy, and that's just an important important point to remember. Oh, they keep they keep referencing he, he, keep, he, he keeps he. saying he. He's got more moves than a than a than a quarterback or something. He's got more moves than whatever. It, but Carmela, the important thing to remember in this scene is Carmela doesn't give a shit about Tony's problems. She doesn't want to hear about Tony's problems. She just, you know, I don't want to listen. You're going to therapy. And I, I agree with her point to a certain extent. If It wouldn't hurt if it didn't help. I agree with that, but she's just very mean about it. I, I don't want to listen. I won't get your pills. I know you just had a panic attack, but you're not listening. No, to she I'm... was going to get his pills until he kept saying he was going to quit. Okay, stop with your anti-Carmella Fuck her bullshit. in this scene. She's so mean to him for no reason because... But, but part of it is because she thinks that he's probably talking about all of his gumas in the meeting and she doesn't want to hear about that. He can't talk to her about that. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> don't... And he and she she does. She is kind of bitchy. She threatens him. She says, it's our marriage if you don't go to this. That's what's going to end up happening. It's yeah. like... She's like, is that a threat? And she, I don't know what the hell she says. Right. She says, got your own it, no, fucking it's a, pills. It's a gl- yeah. No, it's a glowing recommendation, she says. Yeah. And and it's fair to say that I don't want to talk too much about what's to come down the line exactly, but it is fair to say that at least Carmela, unlike some television characters, she ho- she may hold to these threats. Like if Tony doesn't get better, but Tony works at it and he never – he never ends up following Milfie's instructions. He only uses what she can tell for his own advantage. He never actually does the steps because it comes to a point where she's like, you can't live this lifestyle if you actually want to get better. The so. question is, why does Tony even – I mean, he, he, the only reason he really stays with Carmella, I think, why? Is just because of the kids? Because of the kids, because of the old Italian thing. He doesn't believe in di- – yeah, I don't yeah, believe in right. divorce. And, he, and having that yeah, all happen, it's a – 
regular guy, you know? It's a defeat, and Tony can't admit any level of defeat. So Tony goes to therapy, and I labeled this therapy session for four grand for Eskimo pushing me out to sea. Four grand, she's acting like I'm a... She's an Eskimo and I'm burning her and sending her out to sea. Tony goes to therapy the next day and he talks about the panic attack. He asks how long it she asks she asks how long it lasted. Tony said it only lasted 30 seconds and he never lost consciousness. Milfi says that Tony, uh, I'll give you a prescription for Xanax and that will hopefully help get over those short-term stresses. Tony tells Milfi that Junior's stressing him out, that he might have to do things. He's boxing me into a corner. He also adds that Livia is also treating him badly since he put him into a retirement home. Now, Milfi says, Tony, this is so fucking true. Uh, Livia and Junior are playing with him, are, are kind of testing, are seeing, are acting like children. And Tony's like, I want to fucking spank him. <laughs> and she offers a book and he goes, I don't want to read that. It just puts me to sleep. And he goes, no, uh, a, a strategies book, strategies for coping with elder family. And it's just a perfect description of Livia and Tony, Livia and Junior and the type of people that they're acting like in this situation. And she goes, would it be so horrible to make like your uncle or your mother think that they're in charge? And it's, it's a good point. And it works with children in some cases, and it definitely works with elders. And it's, it's an interesting strategy. And it's something, a strategy I used as my mother's faculty started to go away. Like you just, in some cases, you just need to make the person think that they're the one in charge to get them to do anything. And Tony uses this. Ooh. If Tony uses any piece of Milfi's advice to his adva- advice to his advantage more, I can't even really think about it. It's this piece of advice that yeah. re- really helps him out with the things to come. <clears throat> so then we go see Christopher meeting uh, Yo-Yo Mendez. Mo- he's glad that Christopher's okay, but ultimately tells him that I heard you shit yourself and Junior's men collected your money. And Christopher fucks him up, cheap shots him, and goes, oh, "You're only paying me." Yeah, you said you said you thought Christopher could maybe win that fight in his own. I don't think so. That yeah. guy would have kicked the shit out of Christopher. You, you think Christopher Whatever. needed to uh, do the Benny style? As we we meet Benny later, but that style of you need to you need to catch a person off guard. To, uh, oh yeah, to get them, and he really did. He fucking goes right at the ankle. Goes right at the weak spots. Okay, so then we get to the pit fight with AJ. and So essentially what happened, though, before that is the re- if you didn't – I'm assuming you saw the episode if you're listening to this. But to Christopher, this is a guy that just kind of like uh, – he's like a local drug dealer, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, he's one, of, he's one of Christopher's corner guys. Yeah, so he just goes and works and like pays Christopher. I think he says, yeah, I gave my 10 points. Christopher, you know there's no one I'd rather give my 10 points to, to the, than you, but – Junior came and, and and took it from me. Right, he's so. he, Junior. Basically, because of the situation, has take it started taking Tony's corners, taking taking Tony's places that he runs businesses, and especially specifically with Christopher because he, oh he because of the. You know, he wants Christopher on his side. Ultimately, what comes later where he goes, Christopher works for me now or earlier. He said, like, I think he did it in, in terms of saying, oh, yep, I have all Christopher's stuff. You're coming over here working. That's probably was his game plan. It all fits into the same game plan. So as we go from that scene, we get to a blah, 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 we're at the pit and AJ's about to fight. It's probably the scene I kind of like AJ a little bit. And the guy's like, well, you want to eat a nature bar? He's just like, go fuck yourself. 
it's just it's kind of a funny interaction they're about it's the, such a weird middle school thing when everything someone says is awkward yeah it really you know, is bar, like, what the, who the hell says that you know <laughs> and only in middle school does that happen and ultimately the fight doesn't happen because the kid shows up eventually and gives aj the 40 dollars and walks out and aj's like i or his buddy's like aj won you're you're the best and oh i forgot to mention in the a few seconds ago in a scene before we got a scud missile reference. I just wanted to mention that random, random of the times, the scud missile reference. Yeah. Random of the times too. When the kid gives him the $40, it's old twenties. It is old twenties. Forget that like the Sopranos is that old, but they still are old twenties. Cause they look so weird when you see them now. You know what I mean? Like old twenties look really weird when you see them. Yeah. And, and one of the kids goes, yeah, he's real afraid of you. And AJ's like, what's that mean? So we cut over to the Butta Bing, where Tony's reading the book that Milfi uh, told him. He's also taking the Xanax to calm his nerves. Tony looks up the news and the television, and to his dismay, Jackie Jr. dies. One of the strippers does the whole John F. Kennedy thing where, I'll remember this day for the rest of my life. And, and we also hear the name Eccoli DeMeo, which is the real soprano, uh, the leader of the soprano family from, or the DeMeo family. That is that is in prison. That Jackie was the acting boss from that, which we never meet. Which is one of the I'll spoil. We never meet him, and it's a disappointment that there's never a moment where we go to prison where someone goes to prison to see him. I think that could have been beneficial. Maybe he would have been in prison with. Uh, maybe one of our characters in the future goes to prison, and if that character goes to prison, it might have been cool to meet him. He went to the same prison. Yeah, but I think at this point here, Tony kind of like. He takes over. That guy's yeah. nothing after that. You know what I mean? It's not. And ultimately, when it comes down to it, I think when Tony Coos Jr. at some point, or if that happens, and Tony totally <laughs> takes over, he. When a soprano takes over. When a soprano takes over, it's. I think he does that. He he basically severs ties. It becomes the Soprano family and not the DeMeo family anymore. And I think even when the newscasts, when we get newscasts later, we they call it the Soprano family. There's very little mention of the old man after the first season. So maybe uh, when like Feech Lamada shows up, he mentions the old man. I, I could be having that memory, but I could be incorrect. So like Bobby Bacala's dad, like one of those guys. Yeah, one of those dudes might mention him. So the newscast reports that uh, Richie Aprio, I'm uh, Richie Aprio, that Jackie Aprio <laughs> was uh, Richie Aprio was in jail, and he was really sad that his brother Jackie Jackie Aprio Sr. was uh, died. And Tony starts freaking out. He's like, they didn't tell they didn't tell me it was I was just there. They told me he wasn't going to go today. And all the men kind of toast over his death. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's him. It's Sill. It's Puss. It's Polly. It's those four guys, him and his boys. Done to the shot. Christopher runs in to be an asshole. And this is this from what you were saying from the beginning of the show. I can only imagine, Matt, that this was Christopher was pissing you off. He comes in DevCon 4. What is it? This is the end of God. This is the end of Scarface. Bazooka's under the arm. Say hello. This is like the most poignant moment for these other four guys losing a very, very good friend of theirs. And Christopher runs in screaming about how Junior has taken over his corner like any of this matters. It's insane. I'm shocked Polly didn't just knock him out. Especially when, and I missed this the first several times I saw this, but picked it up this time. 
Christopher, because I was reading the script, Christopher knows what happened too. He comes, they come in and go, uh, Christopher, not the time. He goes, I know. Like his first line in the scene is, I know what happened. But but besides that, Junior's taking yeah. over. He like, it's not like he isn't aware of it. I think there's later in the series when a character dies and someone's yelling like that and they haven't heard that the other person died. But in this moment, like, do you think he meant I know about that, or do you think he meant I know about they thought? Um, now isn't the time that maybe the hell else did I think last night when I saw it? Whatever, sure. Yeah, we'll we'll go with that because I, I think he comes in and says I know about it. But it could have been something. He's Defcon Four. Say hello to my little friend. And, maybe he thought they already knew about Junior getting his stuff on the block. Okay, that's good. That's that is a possible possibility. Uh, oh, we got a texter. Thank you for these guys. It. I say this every week, but it gives me an excuse to rewatch The Sopranos. Thank you, number with a 6-7 at the end. We appreciate that. And your 6-7. 9 motherfucker. 10-12, 11-12. Well, I can't even count. I th- that, was a, that was some awful counting. The count- that's, why you, that's why you couldn't do those real estate questions. I know. Exa- that's exactly why I failed that test twice. So Tony tells – actually, I, fa- I passed the state one the first time. It took me a couple times on the other one. But anyways, Tony tells Christopher that – and then Christopher leads this all up with the, the capper of all this shit. He goes, Tony, oh if you God. don't do something about this, I have to question your leadership. Who the hell says that? What? Especially in front of everybody. And I also want to- At that moment, the Jackie just died. It's on the news two seconds before that. And I also forgot to mention one of my favorite lines of Sills in the entire series. When uh, Christopher goes on his Scarface rant and he goes, you always with the scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. I love that line. And that's what I meant again to connect to what I said at the beginning. When you get lines like that, all you always with the scenarios, even though we're only on episode four, you you give the viewer the illusion that this is a bigger world than it is. Yeah. That we I know we're only four episodes in, but Christopher's been doing this since he was 13 years old, showing up to those guys and going, guys, guys, I saw the Godfather. This is like Luca Brasi. This, yeah, is, this the- is the end of the world when these guys have been through this shit for years. Exactly. So, so it's, it's really just a fun moment. And then Tony ultimately gets an idea and he has to, he runs out of there after he holds Christopher up. He's like, I am, you know, you're you're lucky that a man I love died today. And he says that to him and he's about, you you can tell Christopher must be in pain because Christopher still has the neck brace on at this point. He's holding him up there. Like, you know, essentially saying I'll fucking kill you. Oh, it's awesome. It's just an awesome, it's a fucking awesome moment. And I, I love, I, it's Tony, again, similar to what you see it a couple of times when Tony, the beast inside Tony comes out, the bear that you meet later. So then Tony sort of heads out of there and we get a couple of funny lines from our gallery just to give him some lines. Excuse me. The War of 99. Uh, it's uh, goodbye, Junior. And... And and Christopher's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go do something. And we get the big line from Polly. You do what you're told when you're told. And the Polly finger. The, you do what you're told when you're told. And Polly's just, we, this is the beginning. We see a, a lot more later. But I think Polly can already smell what happens with Christopher. He already is pissed off that Christopher's Tony's favorite. He's sitting there thinking, watching this whole thing, that I could never get away with saying that to Tony. 
Yeah, but he also, but that's a generational thing. He would never think of saying that to Tony. Right. He thinks, and this is part of the. Even if he felt that through and through, he would never have said that to Tony or whoever the hell it exactly. was. Exactly. And I think it's just part of the ingrained disrespect that and in the way he looks at Christopher from this point on in the series. He has this certain perspective and the certain way he treats Christopher throughout the entire series, even when Christopher gets his. But someone strength. needs to treat Christopher like that. Yep. And it's Christopher Paul. Needs and, yeah, and it's fucking Polly. Polly. He also Christopher also knows Polly would actually kick his ass. Yeah, he can love it and have fun doing it too. Here we go. So so Tony runs out of there and heads to. Oh yeah, Ron, so okay. So anyways, Tony. I sorry, my notes were getting a little. Tony arrives at a restaurant. He has a gun. He puts it on in his pants. He goes inside. Junior, he goes to Junior. And it's now this this Junior's hangout, and it's so tense again. It's again so tense. tense when he goes in. Tony admits that he has a gun. He's like, but I don't want to use it. He goes, I'm coming heavy, but I don't want to use it. And the other guys clear out, and they just let Junior in. It's really such, and we were talking about visual, the way it's all set up, all dark. It's just, it's just such a good mood. Tony sits down. The two are in silence. They look back and forth. And he goes, and I love the way Tony talks in this moment too. Our friend, Jackie, he has died. It's just so traditional mafia movie type way that he presents this to him. And Junior's just like, but it's crazy that he felt it was that like at that moment, he had to go talk to him right then. Like he just died. He knew stuff was bowling to a head. He goes, I have to go do this right now. Yeah. And it was a smart plan. And it was, he had, what do you think? Do you think he got that aha moment in the seat? And I think he did in the seat and the therapy session with Milfie. Like he's like, aha or reading the book he kind of came to the aha moment of or was- at that moment did he just know that's what he had to go in there and do because he didn't know jackie was going to die that day he didn't know christopher was going to come running in there telling him that that had happened so i don't know i don't I'm- know how well off he had oh. planned this out but it turned out to be brilliant you know 10 minutes later when they're talking about i also it. didn't think about this completely but he also drink he also had a Xanax and and uh, I'm sure it's that true. Did, he, he took a Xanax at the bar to calm himself down comes the thing and right what's the news and I don't care how big a guy Tony is and how much stuff he can handle you take a Xanax and you then you take a shot right afterwards you're going to be mellow you're going to be like whoa so Tony just sort of like focused and and maybe that definitely helped him in that moment with Junior when talking to him to be very calm and clear and he says he leads it up. He basically They were just talking about war though. That's why I don't get this. They would he did nothing to say that they weren't gonna go to war or have this huge problem when he was just with his guys at the Bing ten minutes before this. This is an ongoing theme in the Sopranos too, where Tony lets his guys debate stuff but ultimately makes his own decision, doesn't tell anybody about it until he makes it. And Tony goes there, tells Junior a lot of people have been waiting to take the reins for a while. Junior thinks he's talking about himself. He thinks it's going to be a different kind of conversation. Well, he goes, the Soprano family has been looking to get control for a long time. Yep. Has, oh, yeah. Has waiting for some time to step up. Thank you, Matt. And Tony says, if Junior wants the position, it's yours. And Junior's like, what? You can just see Junior's face like, huh? And he goes, are you serious? And Tony's like, yeah. And then immediately Junior, whoops. There we go. We're almost done. Immediately- yeah, we're almost done anyways. It's fine immediately ah stop running alarm immediately junior junior's like wait a second i love you come here come here you had me for a second and he immediately embraces him and tony grabs him and then 
So, you, oh, prick out. You think I'd mess with this guy? Publicly yells that out a couple times. Then he grabs Junior and he basically fucking threatens him. Like, more or less, he threatens him. He grabs him tight, like by the arms, like tight. Like, show, dude, I'm so much stronger than you. He goes, Yeah, I can't be seen to lose face. So, uh, Bloomfield, all the paving unions, all that stuff, that's mine. I'm taking so much of your shit. He basically takes all Junior loses out on what he gets in the deal to become boss in name. And Tony whispers it all to him. Junior agrees to it because ultimately Junior cares. He's been he's been second fiddle his whole life. He wants the title. To anyone, and this is And this is an important point, Matt, to bring up uh as quickly, and we'll talk about it later when Junior brings this up. Junior's not an idiot, and he's never played as an idiot. I think Junior is fully aware of what Tony's doing here, partially because Tony just straight out says it. And there's a couple of times where Tony kind of hints at the real situation. Uh, maybe, but but he just he goes and kills Brandon, and then he goes and uh, takes over Christopher's stuff. I think he thinks that Tony's maybe giving this to him. You don't think he thinks that maybe it's because he's showing muscle that I think, I think he's choosing to believe that, but I want to believe on some level, he knows that Tony's fucking with him. Maybe because I'm a junior, junior fanboy. Like I want to believe that Junior's smarter than he is that he really he also thinks that eventually it's no big deal because junior's going to die in a few years and tony gets to take it over anyway so tony would rather keep the peace and let him do that exactly thing. and he sees it as a sign of respect he doesn't i'm not sure he's thinking about the fbi stuff but he's thinking about from or like the lightning rod stuff as a guy mentions later on still i think it says it but i think he respects that tony's giving it to him you know, like just letting him have the title and that to- and that Tony's just doing that kind of respect. So it doesn't matter. None of that other stuff matters to him anymore. And it, it gets to the point where and Tony does say to everyone when they talk about war, he mentioned several times in the episode. I love that man, though. Don't forget, he's my uncle and I love him. Yeah. He never doesn't say that or ever doesn't like acknowledge other people because they're all blabbing about war before and let's just take junior right he's like no no no, that's my uncle i love him very much okay so a couple of quick scenes to get to we get uh aj and meadow talking where aj's like i almost got into a fight Uh, they didn't want to fight me what happened and meadow goes oh my god you totally don't know what our dad does and we see the total 1999 computer awful print out it looks fake because it looks so bad yeah probably was obviously like the ms paint shit going out of the mafia of the early websites and and she starts educating she prints out some mafia mafia why do you think we call him uncle jackie even though he's not related to us how many how many garbage men do you know live in a mansion like this uncle jackie why do we call him uncle jackie so it's, it's Junior. He's kind of funny in that scene. So then we get Milfy going to the other guy's house, and this is a kind of a fun scene with her trying to ultimately try to be his date. She's going over there to get some, and, and he, he was all dolled up too. For yeah, that she, one. she, yeah, she was having. She's ready for some fun. Closest I would ever come to finding her attractive was in this scene fun. right here, and and he's just freaking out on her. He's like, "I'm listening to the Doors song, and people are strange." That song, but what's fucked up is he's saying he's like, "I think people are following me." People, that guy probably was following. You know. He he was following him for a while and that guy's probably fucking with him who knows and then something like that happens to you you're gonna think everyone's following you and ultimately we just get the point that she's becoming his therapist not his date and he's just like i can't he, she just walks out she's not getting any hair she she the scene he remind the scene ends but we get the feeling like you know they're done for this is gonna end pr- pretty soon 
So then we go back to the soprano residence and AJ's reading over the information that Meadow gave him. He lays down in his bed, looks at a picture of his father that went fishing, which is just kind of a weird moment where it was supposed to be played better. I think if the actor was better, but he gets this kind of weird, surreal, fuck, my life means nothing moment. So the next day, Tony is telling Milfie, <laughs> it's funny. This is yeah. At this point here, they're stuck with AJ. They can't kill him off. They now. can't kill him off now. They're stuck with him. They can, no matter how hard we try, Matt, they can't kill him off. No. So how hard he tries, they can't kill him off. Yeah. So this is an interesting scene for a couple of reasons. This next scene with Milfy and Tony, because this is probably the most familiar she ever gets with Tony. When it really comes down to it, she's not herself in the scene. Tony's like, your voice is tight. Tony starts the story off like he's talking about the first person I killed. The first dead body I saw was when I was 15. It was a man murdered, clipped by somebody. And she's and he's like, what? You're not listening? You're not finding this awesome? And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm distracted. Uh, and then she tells him the story about the cop. But she's like, I'm maybe I'm closeted. The other night, a cop attacked my uh attacked my friend and Tony immediately knows who it was and is like because he because McAllister never told Tony that's what he had done that he beat him up no he didn't tell him and Tony's like he's just there was some fucking idiot some idiot and Tony's like I'm sorry and she's like no I'm sorry we need to be focusing on you is the Xanax helping he's like oh yeah it's helping a lot of great everything's everything's really helping and yeah and Tony you could just see just stewing about what he's gonna do to this fuck for what he did so then the episode ends on Jackie Aprio's funeral. Silvio takes the time to ask Tony why Junior's been made acting boss. Tony says to Silvio, Junior's content. Look at him, how he's happy as a pig in shit. He says, everyone knows that. Everyone's going to know I make the decisions in the mafia. None of, he doesn't know what we kicked up to Jackie. We can kick anything we fucking want to him. And, and then one of the other guys is like, what about the money? Oh, don't worry about that. Tony says, look, he's a happy camper, and look at those people. Look at those two people. That And one of them goes, the line the line about Junior, we got to keep him in line. And he goes, keep him in line? You know, he's my – I love that guy. I love that guy. He, I'm his favorite nephew. And and uh, then – Look at those two. They were in World War II, like he says about them sitting over this. He does have respect for his mother and, 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 uh, and Junior. Yeah, he does. He has respect for that generation when it really comes down to it. At least in lip service he does. And then we also see the FBI get pointed out to Tony and he's like, turn around so they can get a good fucking picture. And Meadow, we get the classic sister to a brother like, na 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 boo boo, I told you so, as AJ realizes that his life is shit. And that is the end of our episode. We're going to cut a couple of little points and references here. We've got, uh, and then we'll close up the episode. When uh, when Corrado says the line, I sit on, I sit here like patience on a monument. That is actually a line from Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. And that's where that came from. When Tony sits with Jackie at the hospital, what kind of God, it's a, what kind of God would do this to a man? That's a key existential question that haunts the haunts Tony <laughs> through the entire series. So connections to future episodes. Uh, th- and I can thank the wiki for some of this stuff. When Jackie says the fish is in my pocket, there's a big quick cut to big pussy. Now it's impossible to say if that without certainty that this was done on purpose, but season two finale does strongly suggest an association with pussy and fish. Wait, that sounded wrong, but pussy bump and Sarah and fish. <laughs> So Elliot, uh, Elliot, Milfie's therapist is mentioned by uh, the McAllister, Detective McAllister, but we don't meet him till later in the series. We also learn that uh, Ray, Ray's kid suffers from MS. Later in the series, we learn a lot more about Ray's agenda because of this. 
We also meet Jerry, Jeremy Piacosta's dad, who runs in fear of Tony. We also see him again in season three. Corrado Soprato repeats the Shakespearean line, uh, you know, I sit here like patience on a monument in the episode Piomai in season four. Now, uh, a couple of the songs. I thought the song at the very end of the episode was a Mazzy Star song. I thought it was a really awesome tune. Now, the slow haunting song that plays over Jackie's funeral bridge is Lockdown Bridge. Uh, connects the bridge with down. That's a stupid one. This is the first appearance of, oh, his name is Vin McKazen. Is the character's who, name? Who? Who? McAllister. McAllister. So Vin McAllister. <laughs> so we're gonna. Co- so, so that's <laughs> very. McAllister yeah, it's, it's close. To, close to fuck enough. The writer of this episode, or the first episode directed by John Patterson, who would go on to helm the second most Soprano episodes in the series, a total of thirteen, for which he received two Emmy nominations. Patterson died at the age of sixty-four, but whatever. Um, and not whatever. We feel bad for him, but I didn't mean to read that. You know, I don't mean whatever. I, I feel bad for his family and friends. In one scene, you can hear the voice of a character from uh, The Night Stalkers, which is a show that David Chase worked on. You, they put a clip of one of his old shows. And it's the first of nine appearances of, the, of a newswoman who's on the television. First apparent die, Jackie Aprio Sr. The Meadowlands is a wetlander area in northern New Jersey where Christopher identifies the place where his mock's execution played. Uh, a couple of quick other things. Mario Kart, we mentioned this before. There's a reference to the Dave Clark Five. Yes, it, I, it was in one of the conversations. With the, uh, yeah, it was in the uh, in the captain's. Yeah, yeah, when they're talking talk. about the, the war or something like that that's going to happen. Exactly. We also get Tony congratulating Junior on becoming boss. He says, he says I should tell uh, call Bill Parcells and give this guy a tryout. Yeah, he's busting his balls. Yep. And also the writer of this episode won an award for his work in this episode from the Writers Guild of America. A couple of quick uh, quotes from the episode, and then we're going to finish. Corrado, Junior Soprano, you heard about the Chinese Godfather. He made an offer he couldn't refuse. Tony Soprano uh, in Jennifer Milford. No, an offer he couldn't understand. Couldn't understand, yes. I actually said the real quote. Tony, right I've been having before. second thoughts about what? This whole thing, this whole arrangement. Security. I mean, I come here, I tell you things, I don't know how safe it is. I understand your concerns, but as I told you, ground rules. As long as I don't hear anything incriminating. You don't fucking get it. Being here incriminates me. Someone sees me, tells somebody else, all of a sudden, I'm a celebrity i thought we went to work i thought we've been working on your uh on your narcissism. Make some real, real, real progress on your narcissism this is scarface final scene bazookas in each arm say hello to my little friend always with the scenarios <laughs> and uh why are you screaming mikey when when tony is stapling mikey free alterations tony screams at him <laughs> so i guess that's a good any final points on this episode matt no, we're going to try to rank it or not? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, ultimately, this ranking stuff, the important thing that we remember uh, from the end is we're getting to the point, our goal by the end is to say what our favorite or what we think and get to a consensus between the two of us of the best season, best episode of the season. I would say that this is the second best episode that we've seen so far. It's uh, not as good as three for me. Uh, I'd say the second one's the worst one for me. Uh, last no, week, you liked the second one. Wasn't the second one the one you liked? I th- uh, th- th- as of right now. No, the second one's the one you really liked. That's the one that opens with the shot of them all sitting. Okay, in the back so the of- second one's a real like. So the second one's my favorite one. This is my second yeah. favorite one. Then the first one, and then last week's. Yeah, and I have a flipped. I'm flipped on the third and the first one. I like this one, then the second one, then the. So third this one. one is your favorite one so far. 
No, I'm sorry. I like the second one first. Okay. The same so, things, but I love, this is a really good episode. This is a really good episode. This, this, even with all the AJ stuff, this is, this feels, we said this. Right. We said that about the second one. We said that it feels like the Sopranos, but then this one really, really feels, feels like, the, like Sopranos. the Sopranos. Exactly. This feels like we're going full speed, full speed the ahead. The dream sequence, which is such a big part of this later yeah, on. Absolutely. So, so this is a good place to end. Uh, we will be back hopefully next week or is next week Thanksgiving. It's the night before Thanksgiving, so. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll either be back next week or we'll keep the two-week thing. Yeah, we keep saying it's going to be every week, and it's been every other week so far except for once. Right, so. but we'll try, we'll try to do every week. But next week's being Thanksgiving, that Wednesday. We'll see where each one of us are going to be and how all that stuff pans out. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us and checking out the Sopranos recap whenever you are. Please share your thoughts in the comment section below. You can also subscribe to our podcast. You can find the link to that to the feed in the description box below as well. You can email me at I got issues man you can find matt on google plus for uh big daddy matt on google plus you can call and leave voicemails if you would like at 781-990-8509 you can also always also check out issuesprogram.com to see all the oh sorry <laughs> thank you so much for that share thank you i just got a tweet thank you we love bringing it to you we appreciate your love for the show thank you sam Thank you, too. And everybody, have a good week. And if we don't talk to you, have a great Thanksgiving. I mean, I'll talk to you again. But if you don't talk to Matt, Matt, you have a good yes, Thanksgiving. Yes, have a wonderful Thanksgiving if you don't talk to me. Yeah, eat and lots of please. food. Sopranos, another great thing about the show is they have some great holiday scenes in it. Like, you know, Christmas scenes. I believe there's even Thanksgiving scenes in there, right? Yeah, like there's, all, there's all sorts of holiday scenes going yeah. on in The Sopranos. So I'm really, really excited to continue on this Soprano rewatch. Lots of fun stuff coming up on the channel uh, in the next week. Uh, we've got The Walking Dead second to last episode also coming up in, sometime in the next two weeks. Hopefully something this week will be a Deep Space Nine recap episode. And uh, and if you haven't already, I am on Brohawk Riley channel talking about Into the Badlands this season. A good friend of mine and a good contributor of the Issues program. I'm going to go back and forth between my channel and this channel and his channel doing some recaps. So it's going to be a lot of fun this season. So if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and we will talk to you guys next time.